I wanted to talk about today is just what I look for in breaks after entering all these breaks. I'm not saying that this is the right way to break. It's just my preference and what my takeaways have been. This is Good Sellers, a podcast for collectors who want to learn how to sell the cards they don't want so they can get their hands on the cards they need. In every episode, we uncover the secrets collectors use to move their cards so you can sell more and sell faster. Let's get started. Hey, this is JB. I'm the CEO of Stack and your host for this episode of Good Sellers. Good Sellers is brought to you by Stack, an app where you can run and launch Stack sales directly from your phone. Using Stack, collectors will claim what they want from your sale, and then Stack will automatically reconcile who claimed what, send out your totals, collect payment, and create the labels so that after a sale, all you have to do is hit print and drop your package at the post office. On today's episode, and in the next episode, we'll be doing a two-part series on breaking, specifically Bowman. On today's episode, I'm going to go into what breaking is, and then I'm going to go through my takeaways from the breaks that I've been in. And in the follow-up episode, I'll have on a past guest, Brooks Hester, and we'll break down our successes and failures from breaking, specifically 2022 Bowman Chrome, and get a little into draft as well. It's just a product. I did a lot with Bowman Chrome. I opened two cases myself. I entered a ton of breaks, including uh, Houdini's cheap fun breaks uh, run through blowout. I entered his 20 case break for a pick your player. So there's really a lot that I can go through from 2022 Bowman Chrome and Brooks was heavily involved with it as well. So we'll have a nice conversation there. Um, but today I'm going to do more just about what breaking is, what my takeaways have been from the breaks that I've entered. So let's start there. What is breaking in the hobby? Well, breaking in its most generic term is opening a box of cards. You break a box. And sure, there are personal breaks where you open a box yourself or have someone do a personal where they rip it for you, a rip and ship. There's tons of uh, terminology and dialogue that's used. But what's typically referred to when someone says, I'm joining a break or I'm running a break, they're referring to what are called group breaks. A group break is where you have multiple people who have set a claim to one part of the box. So that might be a team, that might be a player, that might be a division, a conference, what have you. So if you have one box, let's say, of Bowman Chrome, and I have the Nationals, and Breaker XYZ opens that box, I get all of the Nationals cards from that box. So if there's 30 teams, there are 30 people, the breaker makes a little bit of a cut, so they mark every team up a little bit higher than what they paid for the box to equal a little bit higher than what they paid for the box. You get in at a lower amount than you would have had to pay for the box because you just want your specific player. So I'll, I'll get into what the different types of breaks. So there's, there's the random, which is everybody pays the same amount, and then it gets randomized, so you get a random team. This allows for, let's say you pay $30 for a spot, you have a chance to get the best spot. You could also get the worst spot, one of the worst teams. I think in Bowman draft, uh, the Marlins are like barely selling. They have barely any players. So you could get the Marlins in a random, or you could get the Orioles, who have the number one pick, Jackson Holiday. So that's a random. And then there are, and what I typically enter into, because I'm a Nationals fan, and what I've been entering into, and I'll explain in a second, is there is pick your team, 
or even pick your player or then pick your division, pick your conference, what have you. So the most typical is pick your team. So the breaker will allocate a monetary value to each team. And then you can say, hey, I want the Nationals. So in Bowman Chrome, the Nationals had the cover boy, Christian Vaccaro, the guy on the front cover of Bowman Chrome. So that was one of the most expensive spots in the break. So anytime I wanted to join a case break, and a case break is where they're breaking more than one box, a case of Bowman Chrome was 12 boxes. So 12 boxes would get opened in a case break, which is what I recommend joining. Single box break is just gambling at its highest, at least if you enter a case break. Yes, it's more expensive, but you're giving yourself a wider net that you're casting. So you join a case break, you get all of the players from that team. So the Nationals typically were one of the most expensive teams. They are, again, in Bowman draft because of Elijah Green. So it's great because you can get your player, your team or player without having to spend money to open a whole box. And, you know, with Bowman Draft Jumbos coming out retail at $450, it might be the best way you can gamble to hit some low numbered cards of your guys without having to break the bank. And for me, you know, for years, I didn't do breaks. I opened my own boxes and graded everything at PSA because base I could open a box, grade all the decent base rookies or prospects, and make a bunch of money back. But with base cards dying off is something you can actually resell. I've turned my attention to breaking a lot. It's also helped that the Nats, my team, finally have some prospects worth caring about. In 2022, it was great. So they made the trade of Soto for all those Padres prospects. So James Wood, who is one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball, was in 2022 Bowman. Christian Vaccaro, the top international prospect, was in Major League Baseball, or top one or two, was in 2022 Bowman Chrome. And now Elijah Wood, who is one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball, I think he was the number four pick in the draft, power-hitting outfielder, is in 2022 Bowman Draft. So I had 2022 Bowman. Bowman Chrome and Bowman Draft, all with prospects from my team, the team that I collect. So it's been a fun year for me for breaks. I've entered a ton of case breaks, and that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit today. So like I said, on the next episode, I'm really going to analyze uh, those breaks, how I did, what I opened, what have you, specifically with Bowman. But what I wanted to talk about today is just what I look for in breaks after entering all these breaks. I'm not saying that this is the right way to break. It's just my preference and what my takeaways have been, you know, and what you'll see is what it comes down to in many cases, uh, the whole, like the whole reason that I'm building stack is breakers taking care of collectors time. We all have things outside of the hobby, families, jobs, etc. Anyway, enough disclaimers. I'm going to get into what my takeaways have been from joining, I don't know, at this point watching probably 50 cases of Bowman get opened, uh, maybe less, maybe like 35, from Bowman to Bowman Chrome to now Bowman Draft. So this is what I look for in breaks. I mentioned Time is money, but money is also money. So the first thing that I look for is a competitive price on my team. For me, you know, in uh, Bowman Chrome, for a case, I'm lo- I was looking for around $300 for the Nats. Some people had them up $350, $375. That was going to be too high for me, and I would stop there despite anything else that you're going to see on this list. The second thing that I look for is good communication, right? I'm trying to see that it's a real setup. That's where I'm going to get a lot of the other things that I'm looking for in terms of shipping and 
you know, uh, just a good setup and things like that. So I'm checking out, you know, websites or social media, YouTube. How is this run? How can I make sure that they're going to make sure that I'm there when it breaks? Because I enjoy watching the break as long as it's not, you know, four hours for one case. I enjoy being there. I enjoy watching it. It's like, you know, going to a casino and same kind of vibe that you get there. So the second thing is just good communication and the fact that I understand my ways of communication with the breaker. Number three, and this is a huge one for me that I really didn't even know was a thing until I started breaking a lot more, is that the breaker has their boxes ahead of time or that they're at a minimum on the way. Uh, Something that was pretty frustrating to me was that I joined a couple of breaks, I paid for my boxes, or excuse me, I paid for my spot And realized that the breaker hadn't even paid for the boxes. So really, I was fronting money for their break operation, which for me was kind of tough pill to swallow. It's like, you know, we're funding you to make money off of us. And then we have to not only wait for you to get paid by everybody to then order the boxes. We then have to wait for you to receive them. And all of this, a lot of times when I'm breaking, at least recently, I'm trying to break somewhere around release. And so if we're talking about I paid you, let's say I paid someone three days after release, then they get all their payments in seven days after release, then they order their boxes, now we're 13, 14 days after release, now they break, now they take another uh, week to ship, then I have to wait on the shipping to get to me. I mean, we could be talking about almost a month, which is what I saw, almost a month to get my cards in hand. And at that point, they've probably lost a lot of value. Because for those of you out there who know, and I'm sure most of the listeners do know, when you sell cards at release, they go for significantly higher amounts than they do three, four, five weeks after. So number three is that make sure that you're if you're buying breaks, make sure that your breaker has the boxes ahead of time. And I'm talking to breakers, you know, from everyone I've talked to and, you know, I source these, I think it's 12 things that I have on here, but I've also talked to other collectors and other people who do breaks, kind of crowdsource some of these, you know, it really rubs people the wrong way, in my opinion, when you find out after the fact, you're hoping that this break happens today or tomorrow and you find out it's not going to happen for a week. The next one for me really is personal preference, and I want to put that out there because I know that a lot of the younger generation of collectors enjoy some of these more extravagant breaks, some of the fire alarms going off and things like that. But for me personally, I don't want a circus. You know, I see this much more as sitting at a blackjack table than Cirque du Soleil. I am not looking to see some sort of extravagant thing put on. I want to sit there. I want to watch someone open cards. I want to see if any of my cards get pulled. I'm looking for kind of a professional setup that's just going to say, hey, we're going to sit down. We're going to open cards. You're going to see what you got. Hey, if you want to say like bang or whatever, you know, you're excited. You pulled something that is great. I'm all for it. But, you know, some of this stuff with like running around, I don't know. You you know what I'm saying? If you've ever seen breaks on whatnot or YouTube videos about, you know, with things like that, not my style, not my speed and not really what I'm looking for. 
That leads me into the next thing, which is moving at a good speed. Like I said, I'm not looking for an entire show here. I'm not looking for Cirque du Soleil. So I'm looking for things to move at a good speed. When it comes to Bowman specifically, you know, there's a ton of paper base in there. I think it's cool to go through it maybe once or twice, show some of the images. But after that, we can just move on and move those to the side immediately. I was in one case break that took over three hours. And, you know, as a viewer... I was kind of pissed. I like joining the break. I like watching, but I also have things in my lot in my life that I need to do in three hours spent for one case. I felt like my time was being a little bit disrespected. I'm looking to sit there, enjoy basically what is like, you know, a show and I'm watching my show or like almost like a sporting event or what have you, uh, but I want to move through it. I, I don't want to spend that amount of time in a break. You know, from what I've seen, for the most part, people can get through a case in an hour, hour and a half. You know, and I think that's pretty fair. I've seen the best success with people who open up one box at a time and move through the packs efficiently, either one by one or open all packs of one box, kind of stack the cards and then go through them, moving the paper base to the side. Again, being cognizant of the viewer's time. You know, there's no need to get out all the cards from multiple boxes. It creates clutter, adds unnecessary time, um, which leads me to my next one, which is having a good system for moving cards to the side. You know, it is good to have space. If you open up, you know, 12 boxes of Bowman Chrome before you look at any cards, you're going to have stuff everywhere. You're not going to have space and you shouldn't have to get up and walk around during the break to move things around, set things in the back, move things to the front. So try to have a good system for, you know, having space, moving cards to the side and moving through this efficiently and effectively. The next one, again, definitely personal preference because uh, I know people are very concerned with how their card condition is going to come out. But I prefer if you only top load the big hits. I think it's fine to sleeve a card and move it to the side as long as you have space and the cards are safe. People forget that these cards are made in machines. They, especially if there are autos, they've been shipped back and forth lots of times, not in sleeves. They've been in packs, in boxes, shaken around. They're not going to get damaged just because they're not in a top loader, especially if they're penny sleeved sitting on a desk. I'm not saying not to top load hits or autographs or what have you, but if we're top loading all decent cards and I'm talking about like paper numbered purple you know that's like a four dollar card it's going to slow down your break and you know what that's going to do in my case is when breaks take too long because I if I'm going to pay the money if I'm going to pay 300 plus dollars to sit in a break I want to watch it I enjoy the break but if that break takes an insane amount of time and I find myself banging my head against the wall that this is never going to end well, I'm simply never going to join that break again. So what I'm really trying to do, and in part, is you know if you do these things, in my opinion, it's going to lead to happier customers. And again, these don't just come from me, even though some of them are personal preference. I've run these ideas by other collectors who join breaks and made sure you know I'm not being crazy in some of my preferences when it comes to the breaks. Next one for me is do not hold hits until the end. I'll get into this for two reasons, but... I like the organic nature of cards being opened. I don't need you to say, all right, we're going to save you know all of our hits for the end and we're going to move it to the side. We're going to move it to the back. I like that process of you're halfway through a box and you say, you know, oh, here's a gold auto of whomever. You know, it's exciting. It keeps me interested and engaged the whole time. And think about it this way. If your break is two hours long 
And an hour and 57 minutes of it for the viewer is crap. And I know that an hour and 57 minutes of it is going to be crap because you're going to hold all the good stuff for the end. Why would I tune in? I'm just going to go watch the recap then. I'm not going to watch an hour and 57 minutes when I know you're holding all of the hits for the end. Show them as we go. We enjoy seeing that as collectors, as people who open boxes. I want to see continual excitement. You know, what are we going to hit as you open this pack? Okay, this pack didn't have anything. Maybe organically everything waits to the end, and that really builds the energy of when is it going to get hit. But if you're taking things, moving it to the back, moving it to the end, I'm just not going to tune in. And I know that one thing that matters to breakers, of course, is, you know, making money on their breaks. But another is their viewership. I know that you're trying a lot of times to drive YouTube subscribers. Lots of people are trying to get thousands of YouTube subscribers so that they have the ability to advertise on their YouTube channel to make a little bit of extra money because breakers are playing a margin game. There's not a ton of money in breaking. You have to break at a very high volume to be able to make a lot of money. So a lot of times people are trying to find other avenues for success, which might be joining their own breaks and hitting big cards, which might be you know, making money on breaks and volume, but also trying to get some of those ad dollars and get money for viewers. And I don't know enough about how YouTube pays, but I assume that the longer retention rate you have of an audience, the more money that you're going to make. And that may be short-term, long-term, I'm not sure. But getting people to be excited about watching you, I think is valuable. And I will tune in longer if I know, hey, I don't know what's coming. I may see a huge hit at minute seven, minute 15, minute 37, or an hour and a half. I don't know. And then I'm going to want to watch. So, you know, I think that it is doing a disservice to your viewer and to use a breaker if you hold all of the hits until the end. On that note is slow rolling the cards. You'll see it. And for the viewers, you can see my hands. And for the listeners, I'm kind of slowly lifting one hand above the other. Some breakers will slow roll the cards. You'll say, okay, we've got a gold. Okay, it's a first. Okay, it's a Red Sox player. Okay, and now I'm going to show the card. And it's, you know, whatever the player's name is. And for me, I think that that takes a little bit of the fun out of it of the, you know, showing the card. Because... If you say, okay, it's gold, all right, we're all checked in. And I think for the most part, people are cool with like, hey, what color parallel is it? Because you're going to see, I mean, you can just see it. That gets people excited. But then when you say, oh, is it a first? And then you're like, oh, it's not a first. Well, all now everyone's disappointed that it's not a first because we're all hoping that it's our big, you know, first Bowman. And then you say, oh, it's not an auto. Okay, so now it's not a first and it's not a, like I do not care now at all. And then if you say, oh, and it's a Red Sox player. Well, you have 30 people in your break. 29 of them just got unexcited versus you show the card and everybody's like, is it my guy? Is it a first? Is it an auto? So in my opinion, we're all excited. Keep us excited. Show the card. It's a gold. All right, here it is. Uh, that that would be my my approach for uh, showing it. And that's the one that I like the best when breakers get get you excited and then show you what the card is. The last, um, I got two more pieces here. One is quick shipping. I mentioned this earlier. If I'm buying a break on release, especially, it's key to get your consumers the cards fast. In some breaks that I joined that took 30 days to get back to me after release, some of my cards lost 50% of card value by the time they got to me. And, and I, again, on release, I just won't break with those folks because it cost me and it stinks. And I'm not gonna, you know, complain. I'm just not going to join the break again. And I think for breakers and the best breakers that are out there, you watch that their breaks go live and bam, they're sold out in no time. 
And those people, those people are the ones who are able to really run effective breaks, get people to sell out, and then run volume as well and make quite a bit of money and props to them. They have good operations. The last one here is, you know, you don't need to know all the players. I don't expect every breaker to know every guy, but knowing the top 10 to 15 guys and probably pronouncing their names correctly, it does make for a better viewing experience. You know, you're opening the product. People paid good money for it. It's a lot of times good if you know, you know, who the decent folks are. Look, I truly respect the work that breakers put in. I also respect the things that are, these are my personal preference, sure. I've bounced them off of some people. Some people have said, Justin, you know, that doesn't matter as much to me. Other people have said, you you know, some of these things are more important to them than I even mentioned today. So, you know, that's a little bit of what the crowdsourcing plus my personal preference has been. And on the next episode, like I said, I'm going to break down my approach that I took for 2022 Bowman Chrome. I did breaks. I ripped two cases. I'll talk about how I did, uh, analyze some numbers and get into, you know, how I'm going to be selling it. That's it for today. Stay tuned for that next episode of Good Sellers. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to Good Sellers. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow along wherever you get your favorite podcasts. To learn more about the hobby and how to sell your cards faster and easier, visit us at stacksales.io. We'll see you next time.